If you have a Bible, we're gonna go to Judges this morning. Judges, chapter 14. We'll talk to you a little bit about Samson today. And uh, we're gonna talk about faith today. And I really believe that God's gonna encourage our hearts this morning. I'm so glad you're here today. I don't think you're gonna regret coming to God's house today. Judges chapter 14, the Bible says this. It says, Samson went down to Timnah. He saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother, his father and mother replied, his father, that's, I guess that's when you combine <laughs> mother and father. You can take that home. That's a revelation. That just, it just flows, guys. It just, his father replied, <laughs> isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistine to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the right one for me. Oh, man. Was she ever. Look what the Bible says. His parents did not know. This is the verse I want you to think about this morning. We're going to talk about His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at the time, they were ruling over Israel. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. I'm asking that you would help us today. Give us a glimpse into the reality of faith. More than that, the reality of who you are. Because I don't want to leave here with faith in faith. I want to leave here with faith in God. And so today, help us to see you more clearly. I just believe the clearer we see you, the closer we will follow you. And so there's people in this room and watching us today that are following you from a distance, and I pray that that distance would be closed by your words today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Last week, we talked about the idea uh, of a faith that kind of hits different. It, it hits different. This week, I want to talk to you about faith in God that doesn't just give you an opportunity to experience miracles, but it gives you an opportunity to experience his presence. His presence is actually more valuable than any miracle you could ever receive. And so I want to I want to encourage you in that this week. And I, I want to say this, and I kind of want this to be the statement that we build the sermon off of today. I want you to understand something, that being loved by God does not mean that he will give you what you want. Being loved by God means he will give you what you need most. And most of the time, that looks a whole lot different than what you think you need. This story is really interesting because Samson, who the only reason he's alive is because God, God spoke him into existence because God needed someone who was going to lead his people against the Philistines. The Philistines were taking advantage of God's people. They were brutal people. And... God had come to a point 
in his judgment of Israel, he had actually delivered them into the hands of the Philistines that he was ready to bring them out of the captivity of the Philistines and he needed someone to lead the charge. And the Bible says in Judges chapter 13 that Samson was actually born. The reason he's alive is to lead the charge against the Philistines. The problem is Samson has fallen in love with the people he's supposed to fight. So the Bible tells us that Samson comes to his parents and he's really excited because he's found this girl that he really likes. He comes to mom and dad and he's like, hey, go get her for me. I don't even understand how, that, that's not how it works in my house. <laughs> I'm not a creepy weirdo that just goes around looking for a wife for my kids. You know, that's just not how it works. My sons don't talk to me like that. They'd get punched. But <laughs> anyhow, this is just apparently how this worked. And, and Samson says, go get her for me. And the parents are upset. They're, they're devastated. They can't even imagine because they know why he's born. I mean, his mom who was barren and the angel of the Lord appears to her and says, this is why you're going to get pregnant. This is why you're going to have a son. So she, at this point, must believe, must think that everything that he was supposed to do for God is not going to come to pass. There's no way. This is so far outside of what he's supposed to do. How is this even possible? The Bible says that they did not understand that this was the will of God. How many things, it's just, I just wanna ask you, how many things are happening in your life right now that you look at them and maybe you don't understand you're not outside the will of God. Maybe you're right in the middle of the will of God, but it doesn't look like the will of God. It looks like the furthest thing away from the will of God, but it's exactly where you're supposed to be. And so I'm wondering how many of you are angry at God for your current situation, but your current situation is actually the will of God. Remember, being loved by God does not mean that God is gonna give you what you want. It means that he will give you what you need most. Samson thinks he's getting what he wants. And the parents think he's getting the opposite of what he needs. But he's getting exactly what God's will is for his life. Isn't it an amazing thing that sometimes even our rebellion is a part of God's plan for us? And I came this morning to really deal with your faith because I don't think most of us in the room have a faith problem. I think we have a God problem. The Bible teaches, Mark tells us, he says, have faith in God. And my problem really isn't a faith thing because all of us in the room believe in something. Come on, somebody. But the reality is, is not all of us believe in the God revealed in the Bible. There was a man, his name was Francis of Assisi. He was, I don't know why they called him Assisi, but no, that's where he was from, Francis of Assisi. But, sorry, I, I just had to say that. He said this, he said, he said, God made man in his image, but unfortunately, we returned the favor. 
So could it be this morning your issue is not a faith issue? Could it be this morning that your issue is a God issue? You have created a God that doesn't exist. And your frustration is in a God that never existed. Your frustration is in a promise God never made to you. Your frustration is in a life that God never promised he'd give you. And our problem is, is we want a God that looks like us. Oh man, we want a God that looks like us, thinks like us, acts like us, likes what we like. Because a God that looks like me, thinks like me, acts like me, and likes what I like can't correct me. <laughs> so the Bible doesn't say have faith in faith, have faith in miracles, have faith in your plans, have faith in you. No, the Bible says have faith in God because faith doesn't get me what I want. Faith aligns me with what God wants for my life. Come on, somebody. And there are so many people in this room, you thought faith was a magic wand that you waved or something that you put in the vending machine called God's will and you could press a button and get whatever you wanted from it, but that's not the way God operates. God will not be manipulated by our plans. Have faith in God. Couple things about faith. Faith, first of all, does not alter the will of God. Faith only gives me what God wants for me. So can I tell you, it's impossible to use faith to get more than what God has for you. But it's possible because of a lack of faith to live with less than what God has for you. <laughs> and this isn't always the God we've discovered. This isn't always the God of our experience. This is very often the God that we were taught. You grew up maybe thinking, well, isn't it God's will that everybody gets healed? So if you, if you start to develop a perspective about God that is everybody gets healed, then you won't know what to do when you don't. And we say stuff like, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Well, yeah, God is good all the time, but our definition of good isn't always the same definition that God has for good. I'm really, really trying to help you today. It was the will of God and they didn't know it. The will of God is not meant to please you. The will of God isn't meant to fulfill you. The will of God is meant to bring you to the place you need to be so that you can do the thing that you were created to do. You are here on a mission. Your life is a response to a problem in the earth that God wants to see a solution come through. You. You. You're not an accident. 
You're not here by chance. Your flaws are not a mistake. Your issues are not a mistake. Your burdens are not a mistake. Your pain is not a mistake. Do do you remember in the Bible, maybe you don't, so I'm gonna tell you. In Exodus chapter four, God calls Moses and Moses goes to God and Moses says to God, he says, listen, I appreciate your call, I appreciate all of that, but God, is there anybody else that you can call because God, I was born with a speech issue. I'm slow in my speech. I'm delayed in my speech. I'm slow in my tongue. And in Exodus 4, 11, God responds and he says, who gave human beings their mouths? He says, who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Oh, I'm really killing somebody's theology today. That if you're a Christian, everything's gonna be perfect. You're not gonna get sick. You're not gonna get any bad reports. You're never gonna go through nothing. That is not the God that is revealed in the Bible. That is a God that was revealed through some Christian people on TV who needed more money for their jets. But that is not the God of the Bible. So I... First Peter 4, 19. Let's mess with your theology a little bit more. It says, so then, those who suffer according to God's will. So, Robbie, are you telling me that it is possible that the pain that I am experiencing, even the suffering that I am going through, could potentially be God's will? I would say absolutely. And this is important because if not, then my life is left up to chance and circumstance. Then I'm just in the hands of people. My life is in the hands of my circumstances. My life is in the hands of the way I was born. My life is in the hands of the place I was born. My life is in the hands of the people I was born to, but my life is not in anybody else's hands, but the hands of the one who created me. And even in my suffering, I'm still in his hand. I didn't think, I thought Jesus suffered so that we didn't have to suffer. You didn't read your Bible correctly. Jesus suffered to teach you how to suffer. 1 Peter 2, 21 says, Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Romans 8 and 17 says, if we suffer with him, we shall be glorified with him. But I thought, Robbie, it was God's will that everybody got healed. We'll tell that to the Apostle Paul. Not only do people think that Paul's thorn in the flesh was a sickness that he struggled with, but also Paul had friends who were very close to to him that were not healed. 1 Timothy 5 and 23, Paul tells Timothy, his son in the faith, he says, Stop drinking only water. Oh, man, I'm, I really like the start of this verse. <laughs> Paul gets me. 
and he says, use a little wine. Oh, sounds even better. He says, use a little wine. Why? He says, Timothy, because of your stomach and your frequent illnesses. So you're telling me Paul's son in the faith wasn't impacted by Paul's healing ministry. I know this is possible in my own life. I've laid hands on people in this altar and seen their lives restored. I've seen people healed. And then I go home and lay hands on my own kids and they don't receive the same thing that I just helped somebody to receive. Second Timothy chapter four, verses 19 through 20, Paul's writing and he says, hey, greet Priscilla and Aquila in the household of Osiphorus. One Osiphorus. One Onesiphorus. Sounds like an STD to me. Uh, Erastus, sorry, that's terrible. Erastus, this Onesiphorus is gonna have a conversation with me when we get to heaven. Erastus stayed in Corinth. <laughs> this whole verse just sounds like we're gonna go to the gym and we're gonna tell you about, you know, show you a video. You gotta be careful, you can get that Onesiphorus and that Trophimus and that Erastus, that's the one. That's the one that'll get you. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> he said, Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus. He said, I left Trophimus sick. No wonder he's sick. But he said, I left him sick in Miletus. Another one. What is that? But think about that. Paul said, I just let, the guy was still sick and I just left him there. Wow. So what I'm, in t what I'm telling you to do today, what I'm telling you to do, what I'm telling you to do is, is never leave the possibility of what God could do for you on the table, but understand that if it's not on the table, that that shouldn't make you wonder, well, do I even have faith? Does God even love me? Maybe it's just not on the schedule for you. Should you ask? Absolutely, because you never want to leave anything left unsaid. James says you have not because you ask not. But if you ask and you don't receive, don't turn inward and start to think, well, maybe, maybe it's a problem with my faith. Maybe I didn't trust God. Maybe God's, maybe Robbie, maybe God's judging me. Oh, man, God doesn't punish you with sickness. Can God teach you something through sickness? Absolutely. But he doesn't punish you with sickness. Amen. I just came here to tell you today, whatever pain you have gone through, whatever suffering you are currently in, God will not waste it. God won't waste it. 
This is why you must believe that even in my pain, I'm in his will. Because if it's, if it's not part of his will, then it's worthless. If he's not going to get some sort of glory out of this, then it was all worthless. But I'm telling you today, as a child of God, I can promise you. That nothing you go through is worthless. Every tear you cry, every night you stay up praying, God sees it all and none of it was worthless. I, I know you're sitting there right now and maybe you're thinking about something you went through and maybe you're thinking about something you did or maybe you're thinking about the thing you're in right now. I want you to understand that even though it doesn't seem like it right now, God will use it in some way, shape, or form to get glory out of your life. He will. You mean, Robbie, God will use that abortion that I had when I was a teenager? Yeah, he will. God will use that. God, you mean, Robbie, God will use my divorce? Yeah, he will. I don't know why you went through it, and I don't know why it happened, but I promise you God will use it. I'm not saying God made you. I'm not saying God did that to you. I'm just telling you that if you are his child and you belong to him, he will use it for his glory. Let's go back to Samson for a second. They didn't know it was the will of God. Well, they go get the girl. Samson ends up marrying the girl. The Bible says that they're at a wedding. They're at the wedding. And Samson uh, gives a riddle at the wedding. He tells these guys this whole story about some bees and a carcass. And he gives them this riddle. Well, they can't answer the riddle. And they get frustrated. And they go to Samson's wife and they're like, we need to know the answer to this riddle. And so she cries for seven days until Samson tells her the answer to the riddle. Well, she runs and she tells the Philistines the answer to the riddle. Well, they come to Samson and they're like, hey, we know the answer. Samson realizes He's been betrayed by his wife. So the Bible says at the end there of Judges 14, 14, it says that Samson leaves and he goes back home. Well, while Samson is gone, the Bible says, they give his wife to another man. And this is where all hell broke loose in the Philistines' lives. The Bible says that he... he, he, he he got so mad. Lord, have mercy. He got so mad that he took, he set some tails of these fox on these foxes on fire and made them run through the fields of the Philistines. And Samson looks at him and he says, Because you did this to me. I will get my revenge on you. Oh my God. And the Bible says he attacked them viciously and slaughtered many of them. 
And then he went and stayed in a cave. This is Judges 15. And then the Philistines went up and camped at Judah. And they spread out near, near Lehi. And, and, and the people of Judah asked, have you come to fight us? No, we have come to take Samson prisoner. Do to him what he did to us. Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, do you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, we've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. And Samson said, swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. They said, yeah, we're just going to tie you up and hand you over. (laughs) Then the Bible says when he gets there, that the spirit of the Lord comes upon him powerfully. The ropes on his arms become like charred flax. The bindings drop from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and he struck down a thousand men. Think about this. If he never marries the wrong woman, some of you are like, God can't use people after a divorce. Oh, he used Samson. And as a matter of fact, the divorce actually made Samson into something he wasn't before. Samson got so angry that he started burning their fields. He picks up a gate and just throws it on a bunch of people. He picks up the the jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand men with it. The chapter before, he's partying with them and giving them riddles. What happened? Pain. Pain is what delivers you to the thing that God has for you. Without it, you don't become who you're supposed to become. And God knows that Samson would have never gotten angry enough to do what he did unless his heart was broken as much as his heart was broken. And the reason he got so angry is because he was so broken. And the reason he got so frustrated is because he was so betrayed. I just want you to know that God doesn't just use your friends. God uses your enemies. God uses the people that talk bad about you. God uses the people that betray you. God uses your heartache. God uses your disappointment. God uses your rebellion. God uses your weaknesses. God uses it all. The Bible teaches me that all things work together for the good of them that love God and are called according to his purpose. This is about purpose. This isn't about chance. Your life is not left up to chance. What you're going through is not a coincidence. God has a plan for your life. Might not be the plan you had for your life. Something we should always remember when we pray. The Lord does what he wants the way he wants it. And we must always submit to his right to do what he wants, the way he wants to do it. This is not a lack of faith, this is true faith. Don't you dare look at someone who's going through a battle and say they must just not have faith.
No, if they still love God in the middle of what they're going through, that's genuine faith. Jesus was after genuine faith so much that he rebuked Peter for walking on water. We have misunderstood the story of Peter walking on water since the story was revealed to us. We thought the story was about taking a, take a risk for God, jump out of the boat for God. That's not what the point was for Jesus because Peter jumps out of the boat, he walks on water, starts to sink because the wind and the waves. Jesus and Peter get back in the boat and Jesus rebukes Peter's faith. He, he just walked on water and Jesus rebuked his faith. Why is this? Because the point of the story is not walking on water. How do you know that, Rob? Nobody did it before that day, and nobody has done it since that day. Walking on the water is not the point. And some of us think faith is about walking on the water. Faith is about jumping out of the boat and taking a risk. No, faith is about keeping your eyes on Jesus in the middle of the storm. That's what faith is. Peter's faith was rebuked because Peter, Peter had enough faith. Peter had enough faith to walk on water, but not enough faith to keep his eyes on Jesus in the storm. And Jesus isn't impressed with walking on water faith. Jesus doesn't want to know, do you have the faith to start? No. Do you have the faith to finish this race? James says, count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you go through hardships, knowing that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. We're not really after walking on water. We're after the ability to keep our eyes on Jesus when all hell is breaking loose in our life, when we don't understand what's going on, when we get a bad doctor's report, when God won't heal our children, when our marriage isn't revived. That's faith. We've always misunderstood. We thought faith was about miracles. and That's not the point. Because no matter what the miracle is in this life, even if you get a healing, guess what? You're still going to die. So Jesus rebukes Peter's faith because great faith is not about walking on water. Great faith is about when it hits the fan. Keeping your eyes on Jesus. My heroes in the faith are not people who have stories of miracles. My heroes in the faith are people who have kept their love for Jesus in the middle of the greatest pain that a human could experience. That's what God's looking for. God doesn't look at your life and say, man, if you just have faith. Paul doesn't go to Timothy, hey, Timothy, listen, stop drinking water because honestly, Timothy, you need to go on a fast. Your faith is small. You keep getting sick. And if you didn't have such little faith, Timothy, you, you wouldn't have all these illnesses. No, Paul says, Timothy, take your medicine. This is the Bible. 
try to help you this morning because there are things that you're going through and if you're not careful, you'll look at them and you'll think, man, I'm so far away from the will of God. I'm so far away from God's plan for my life. I don't even know this place I'm in makes no sense. This thing that I'm going through makes no sense. God, if you were really gonna use me, then why would you let me go through a divorce? God, if you really had plans for my life, then why would you let me be going through this issue? God, if you really love me, then why is my kid sick? God, if you really... God's looking back at us just like he did Moses and he's saying, who gave men their mouths? Anything that God doesn't rescue you from, he gives you the grace to get through. Amen. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. Somebody in the room might be like, well, does God not heal people? Oh, yeah, he absolutely does. But can I tell you, if he does, it's not going to be because, be because you were good or because the pastor had faith. It's going to be because God's mercy and God's grace. And it was necessary for his plan. Remember, 1 Peter 4, 19 says, he says, so then, those who suffer according to God's plan, according to God's will, should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Romans 5, 3 through 5 says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Listen to me, God doesn't test your faith to punish you for your past. Your faith is being tested right now because it's preparation for your future. And even if it's discipline, it's not punishment. Punishment is judgment. Discipline is love. Psalm 119, he said, in verse 71, he said, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I may learn your decrees. What I'm asking for today is I'm asking for you to, I'm asking for you to take the leap from Water walking faith to eyes on Jesus faith. Well, Robbie, why would I need to change? I've been walking on the water for so long. Yeah, but the testing of your faith is not about what you've done. It's about what you're going to do. We make everything about the past. When, when we sin and God forgives us, the Bible says he forgets it. So when you do it again, it's the first time to God. You keep wanting to rehearse it and bring it up, talk about it, use it as an excuse. Use it as a problem that God's just, he just can't overcome this in my life. It's impossible. You don't know what I've done, Rob. You don't know where I've been. Can I say to you, it doesn't matter to God where you've been, what you've done, 
When you give your life to him and you repent of your sins and you confess him as Lord, he, he forgives you of your sins. And then every day he makes his mercy brand new every single morning. Can we stop talking about what you did and talk about what God wants to do? Can we stop talking about where you've been? Can we start talking about where God's trying to take you? What you need, listen to me, what you need for your future is so different than what you possessed in your past. Because what kept you alive, what kept you walking on water in one season has you sinking in another. It's like the womb. Water was good for you in the womb. But if you try to, you lived in it, in the womb. But if you try to live in it outside the womb, the same thing that kept you alive in the womb will kill you outside of the womb. Faith to finish the race, not to just get out of the boat. They said, Samson, can you not find anybody among your own people? Why is it? The Bible says they did not know that this was of the Lord. Not only did the pain that Samson experienced in that betrayal make him mad. Oh, he got mad. But it made him creative. Who thinks to take these fox? Is it fox or foxes? I'm just killing English majors right now. Who thinks to take these foxes, set their tails on fire, and make them run through their field? Your pain will give you a creativity that wasn't there. Your pain will give you a purpose that wasn't there. Your pain will give you a strength that wasn't there. Your pain will give you a drive that wasn't there. You're like, God, why do I have to go through this? And then this person gets to live this way. I don't need them to be as driven as I need you to be. Why do they have to, why do they get to experience that and I have to experience this? I don't need them to be as stubborn as I need you to be. Some of you in this room, God needs you to be mad at the devil. So mad that you're unwilling to settle, not just in your life, because what you're going through is not just about you. Friends of mine, it's been 10 years now, I'll never forget. I met Chad Veach about a year before his daughter Georgia was born. And I remember when Georgia was born, because Georgia and Oliver were born around the same time. I remember when Chad's daughter, Georgia, was born, and I went to, to Puyallup, Washington, 
to see him. And I remember holding Georgia and I remember the excitement. We were with family and their friends and his mom. It, it, I just feel like everybody in the room needs to meet Chad's mom. You'll understand so much about Chad Beach. If you don't know Chad Beach, he's a friend of our church. He preaches for us. But a few weeks later, they start to notice that Georgia isn't, her eye movement isn't what it should be, her interaction isn't what it should be, her facial uh, interaction isn't what it should be. There's no smiling, there's no interacting, there's no play, her, her movement isn't what it should be. So they take her to the doctor and they end up finding that she has a disease called, listen, cephaly, which basically means smooth brain. When you look at your brain and it has all of those ridges, those ridges are important to your development, your interaction, the way you think, the way you operate, the way your body moves. And hers just never developed. Georgia's 10, she should have died a long time ago. But I remember Chad calling me and telling me that he was gonna write a book about Georgia's story. And 10 years later, thousands and thousands of people have been impacted by Georgia's story. And people that would have given up on God because they thought only, only bad things happen to bad people and if God is good, how could bad things happen to good people? People that would have quit on God because they had faith in faith. People that would have quit on God because they had faith in miracles. People that would have quit on God because they had faith in walking on water didn't quit. We've got couples in this church that have gone through very similar situations. And every time Chad and Julie are in, they'll come and say, I need to talk to them. I need to tell them that if it hadn't been for that book, if it hadn't been for that story, we probably would have given up. What you're going through is never just about you. Don't stop at walking on the water. Don't settle for a life of getting what you want. Faith was never intended to get you what you want. It was intended to line you up with what God's will is. I remember when I was growing up, I prayed for someone and I was praying and I, I said, God, you know, I, I believe that you can heal them. But God, if you don't, this person was going through, they, they felt so much judgment. They felt that God had abandoned them and hated them. And so we're praying for healing, but at the same time, I'm, I'm trying to teach this person, like, listen, God, God isn't judging you. God hasn't abandoned you. God is right here in the middle with, you don't have a savior who's unfamiliar with suffering. Look at what he, what he went through. And so I'm praying, and I'm saying, God, we know that you totally have the ability to do this miracle. But God, even if you don't do this miracle, Help them to find a reason for living. Help them to see purpose in the pain. Help them to find a story. Help them to find something in all of this that's not only gonna encourage them, but it's gonna help rescue others. And that's what I came to tell you today. You may be going through something and you may look at it and say, 
This makes no sense. And in parentheses of your life, just like it is in that story in the parentheses, they didn't even know that this was the will of God. Will you stand on your feet with me today? There's a story in the Old Testament of these three Hebrew friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they've decided they're not gonna obey this king who's trying to make them bow and worship his gods. They've decided they're gonna stand and worship their God. Well, as a consequence, they're gonna get thrown in to this fiery furnace. And the king looks at him and he says, don't you understand like what's going on here? And they look at him and say something so powerful. This, is the, this encapsulates the reality of what real faith is. They said, listen, oh man, God has enough power to come and take us out of this, but even if he doesn't. That wasn't a lack of faith. I've prayed for people and I've heard people say, you know, God, we just want your will. And some people, don't, don't, don't ask for God's will. You demand, you, 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 it's your right. I don't see anywhere Paul demanding Timothy be healed. Because above all, not my will, but thy will be done. C.S. Lewis said this. He says, at the end, there's only going to be two types of people. There's only going to be two types of people. The people who look at God and say, thy will be done. And the people who God looks at and says, thy will be done. Because nobody's going to go to hell because... God made that decision for them. And I think Jesus' prayer is really all that God's looking for. He's just looking, he's not looking for mistake-free life. He's not looking for people who are like, God, if you could get me out of this, that'd be really nice. He's not looking for people who don't say that. Don't pray like that, because even Jesus prayed that way. But every one of us, if we're really going to trust God and have faith in God, at the end of the day, we're going to have to say, God, not my will, but thy will be done. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this room, if you would, if you're in here today and you have not given your life to Jesus, you haven't made him Lord of your life. You haven't asked him to come in to your heart, forgive you of your sins, and make you a brand new creature. Maybe you're in here today and 
You say, man, I prayed a prayer a while back, but I don't even feel like I have a relationship with God. I don't even feel like I know God. I feel like I'm so far away from God. And today, I, I want to I pray and I, I want to believe that, that God is going to save me and rescue me and redeem me. And he's going to close that distance that I feel with him today. If that's you, I'm going to count to three. And when I do, I just want you to throw your hand up in the air. One, two, three. Throw your hand up in the air. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Anybody else? I'll give you a moment. Come on, just throw that hand up in the air today. Say, I need, Robbie, I need forgiveness of my sins. I need God to forgive me today. All right, everybody in the room, let's pray this prayer together with those that lifted their hands. Let's pray like this. Dear Jesus, thank you that you love me, that you gave your life for me. I give you my life. Take all of it. Have your way. Use me for your glory. I want your will not my will. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, let's put our hands together and bless God for those who prayed that prayer. God's going to use it. Listen to me. I don't know why you're going through it, but God is going to use it. Can anybody throw your hands up in the air and just wave them and say, yeah, Rob, I believe he's going to use it. Every bit of everything that I'm going through, nothing Bishop Jake said a few years ago, he said, nothing you go through will be wasted. Nothing will be wasted. God, thank you today that you don't waste our pain. You don't waste our suffering. As a matter of fact, even all of our tears, you store them up in a bottle, the Bible teaches us. Even when we cry, the Bible says we're sowing in tears. And there'll come a day where those tears a harvest will come forth, and the harvest isn't more tears. The harvest is joy. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. that You haven't left us when we struggle. You don't leave us in our pain. The Bible teaches us that you are near to the brokenhearted. We are never more like Jesus than when we are experiencing pain. We are never closer to knowing him than we experience than when we experience pain. The apostle said, I want to know him and the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know you, Jesus. Help me to see you in the things that I don't even recognize. I can't even believe are your will. Help me to see you in them. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody in the room said amen.